It's good to see you tonight. This uh, fourth Wednesday came a little bit faster than what I had anticipated. You know, Monty, whenever he was like, you know, you you should take this fourth Wednesday, you know, you would only do it maybe four times a year and uh, that it's like every four months and surely it hasn't been four months. Is it too close? I'll, I'll put it all right. How about that? A little bit better? All right. But here it was. Toya sent me a text that said, hey, you know, you got this Wednesday. And I was like, no, I don't. I was looking. I pulled my calendar up, and I was like, one, two, three, four. No, sister, it can't. And then I was like, oh, this is a Thursday I'm looking at. So I was counting the Thursdays, and I really was five Wednesdays. And so I said, well, I need to get things done. And then the rat race began of trying to put things together one night I went to sleep with my audio Bible on because I just wanted to I just wanted to get a feel of what John chapter 10 was going to do and somewhere in the middle of the night I woke up around second Corinthians and so I was like man yeah I really got me some good Bible going while I was sleeping but anyway uh let's see oh I turned it off I guess there we go tonight we're going to continue really what Ian had finished on John chapter 9 because as I was studying for John 10, it's really just a continuation of John chapter 9 where Jesus is the good shepherd. And the song before the lesson was really appropriate that we are the sheep and he is our shepherd. And we'll see that this evening. Jesus and the Pharisees sort of is the dialogue between this chapter is Jesus communicating with the Pharisees because at the end of John chapter 9, the Pharisees had heard Jesus talk about the blind. And if we remember from John chapter 9, you had this man who was blind from birth and the Pharisees And the scribes and the Jews, the people, they saw this man. They knew that he had been blind. And whenever he was healed from his his blindness, rather than being celebratory for him, they began to question him. They brought him before a council. And how is it that you're able to see now when you were blind? You know, you started off the chapter with them looking at this blind man and saying, who sinned? Did his, did his parents sin or did he sin? Who is it that was the sinner that caused this man to be blind from his birth? People knew that he was blind. You know, normally whenever you see somebody for us who has just recovered from some illness, you go to that person and you're like, we're glad that you're doing better. We're glad that you can... Uh, walk again or that you're healed from your sickness that you survive COVID or cancer whatever it is and you're happy for them but not these guys the Pharisees once again failed to be happy for this man and failed to acknowledge really the miracle that had happened and instead they they just want to accuse Jesus of well you healed on the Sabbath now This is what's going on here, the continuation. It says, And for judgment I have come into the world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. 
Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. But indeed the Pharisees were blind. Much like Paul was made blind on the road to Damascus, these Pharisees were blind because they couldn't see who Jesus was. Even though they knew the Old Testament, they claimed to know Moses, and Jesus said, well, if you knew Moses, you would know me because he wrote of me. They were blind. And then I got to thinking, were they blind just because they were ignorant of who Jesus was? Or was it that they were blind because they didn't want to see it? What is it, dumb on purpose? If any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. They were dumb on purpose. They didn't want to see who Jesus was because the truth is they couldn't deny the miracles. They couldn't deny the man that he healed who got up and walked. They couldn't deny the man who was healed of leprosy. They couldn't deny this man who was blind from his birth. But now he sees these miracles they couldn't deny. So was it that the Pharisees were blind? You see a lot going on in the world and you say, man, why can't people see it? Why are they doing this the way that they're doing? Well, maybe it's much like the Pharisees. They don't want to see it. They don't want to acknowledge it. But it's much like Nicodemus who saw it and he went to Jesus by night and was like, we know that you're a teacher come from God because no one can do the things that you're doing except God be with him. They knew that Jesus was a worker of miracles. And now in chapter 10, Jesus acknowledging these Pharisees, asking, are we blind also? But he says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper open, <clears throat> opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now there's only one way in and out of a sheepfold, and that's by the door. And that's typically what a sheepfold would look like is it's just enclosed all the way around but one entrance. And the shepherd of the sheep would stand guard at that door. Why would someone else, you know, I was thinking about it. Why would somebody want to enter a different way? Because Jesus is saying this, you know, he who enters another way is a thief and a robber. Why would they want to enter a different way? Well, with there only being one entrance there, there could be a couple of different issues. There's only one way into heaven, coincidentally. The only way to get to heaven is through Jesus. Through Jesus. Jesus is the shepherd. There's only one shepherd that can bring us in. There's not multiple shepherds that will bring us in. I believe we could illustrate that through various different religions. How many of them take such a dogmatic approach and, and claim that they have the ultimate authority over religion today? That if you're not part of this church, then you're not part of the fold. You're not going to make it to heaven. And there's so many of them out there that 
say those kind of things. But really the truth is, if they're not teaching what Jesus taught, then they're much like these Pharisees. And there's no way into heaven through that mean. <clears throat> Jesus says, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things of which he spoke. I mean, I think this shows just how blind they are to the obvious. They're so blind, and for a lot of this lesson, I spent time trying to figure out how they could be so blind, how they couldn't see what was before their very eyes. The great irony, maybe, of the, of the New Testament, that they had Jesus. They knew the Old Testament. Think these are religious people. They know the scriptures. They know the Old Testament prophecies. And here Jesus is now on scene. And it's not that they're ignorant of the scripture. Maybe it's that they just don't want to lose power. They don't want to give up their spot. They didn't understand. <clears throat> Maybe they realized that their reign of religious superiority was about to come to an end. Jesus said to them again, most assuredly I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. And now he's telling them, you know, he's not just talking about the shepherd now. Now he's saying, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If, any enter, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is that door of salvation. He's the way into the fold. There's no other means by which we can be saved but through Jesus. And he plainly tells them, I'm the way, I'm the shepherd. There's no other way. It's not through the Pharisees. It's not through the scribes. It's not through any other religious authority, but by me. Now, the Pharisees don't like hearing this. But, you know, somewhere deep down inside the Pharisee, he had to have known. They had to have known. Because they couldn't deny those miracles. They couldn't deny what they truly knew was happening before them. <clears throat> the only entrance into the sheepfold is given by the shepherd of the sheep. The Pharisees, no matter how religious they were, they couldn't grant entrance into it. They acted like they were. They acted like they had that authority. Just like whenever they had that blind man before them in the council and the people were afraid to get tossed out, yet he stood up and spoke as they're questioning him. And they're like, you're a sinner and you're going to tell us? Like they were something superior. And they tossed him out. <clears throat> Jesus would say, and really Matthew 23 is just this gut punch of a chapter. And it's something to, to, to really sober you up and to bring you down, back down to earth is Matthew 23 if you ever need that. Because you don't want to be on this end. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. 
For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. That's who the scribes and Pharisees are. They were the thieves and robbers. They're stealing people's salvation because they won't allow people to go in. They're a thief. <clears throat> who is the thief, though? Jesus says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Well, the thief is the devil. The devil doesn't want any of the sheep to enter into the fold. The devil doesn't want any of us to go to heaven. Coincidentally enough, the Pharisees who are these religious people, they don't want anyone to enter in by Jesus either. And so, unknowingly to them, they work for the devil. Now, that's a little hard for them to hear, but really, if they go back to Matthew 23 and, and hear everything Jesus tells them, they were religious people, and they lorded that religious superiority over everyone else but they weren't willing to lay down their lives for the sheep. They were hired help. Jesus says, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. And that's all a hireling is. A hireling is someone who is hired to watch the flock. And that's what Jesus is comparing these Pharisees to, is being hirelings. But they really don't have a true love for the flock. Instead, they're just lording over the flock, saying, I'm superior to you. I'm better than you. And you're a sinner and you're going to tell me what's going on? No, I don't think so. Get out of here. And people feared these people because they were the religious leaders. You can't question them. Maybe there's a lot of characters like that in the church world today who have no true love for the people but just sort of lord this, I'm religious, I'm a, I'm a pastor, I'm a priest, I'm a this or I'm a that. And you're, you're just a pew sitter. Is that, is that a good term for it? I think we can use it. But Jesus cared for his sheep. He knew them by name. He knows us by name. And he laid down his life for us, for his sheep, for that fold. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. And maybe that's important to point out that there's not multiple flocks. There's not multiple ways to heaven. There's not multiple shepherds that will take you to heaven. There's one flock. There's one shepherd. And that's Jesus, and that's his church. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. 
This command I have received of my father. Jesus laid down his life for his sheep and was going to lay down his life. And he's telling these people that he's going to lay down his life for the sheep. The other sheep he's talking about there, of course, is the Gentiles. That's you, that's me. He knew the Gentiles would receive the word better and receive him better than what the Jews were. There's countless parables which Jesus gives throughout his teaching that tells of the rejection of the Son. Paul would talk about it. He says, uh, he quotes uh, David. He says, uh, Paul says, David says, let there be let their table become a snare and, the, uh, and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened, I guess that's them being blind, so that they do not see and bow down their back always. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy salvation has come to the gentiles because they rejected god they rejected his son salvation was brought to the gentiles <clears throat> they rejected the invitation one of the teachings of the of the feast the banquet jesus said then the master said go to the servant and go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled for I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste of my supper. What a parable to teach. They were invited. They were God's chosen from the day of Exodus from Egypt until now. They were his people for all these thousands of years. And time after time after time, they turned their back on God. And would come back to him and would turn their back on him and would come back to him and would turn their back on him. And Jesus finally comes to this earth and they turn their back on his son, rejected him. Therefore, there was a division among them, among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? And others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? There was a division among them because they knew what was happening and they couldn't deny what they saw and what they heard, much like Nicodemus. They couldn't deny what was before their eyes. Now, some of them could because they were just so mad with rage themselves. They didn't want to give up that power. He has a demon. Rather than saying, this man just healed this guy, he must be something special. Some of them said that. Others didn't. Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. <clears throat> and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. That's what Peter told the Jews on the day of Pentecost, is it not? 
You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God by God among you, which uh, by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, which you yourselves also know. You know these things. They're evident. Jesus did these works, these miracles that he did. He says, I told you, you don't believe the works that I do, they bear witness of me in my Father's name. John 10, 26, he says, But you do not believe me because you are not my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Now, a lot of times whenever you run across someone who's preaching the once saved, always saved doctrine, this is one of their go-to verses. Of, no one can snatch you out of the hand. And I want to tell you that's absolutely true. If you're saved, there's nothing I can do to go snatch your salvation from you. Not even the devil can come and grab you out of the hand of God. But much like the prodigal son, you can turn and walk away. You see, when you enter into that fold, God is not going to say, no, you sit there, you're not getting out of that chair, you're staying there, you're safe there. If you want to get up and go, you got that freedom. <clears throat> Jesus said, I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones to stone him. And Jesus answered them, Many good works have I, have I shown, I have shown you from my father. For which of these works do you stone me? The Jews answered and said, For good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God. Now, Jesus is going to quote to them, Psalms 82 and verse 6. He says, it is, is it not written in your law? I said you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If I do not do the works of my father do not believe me but if i do though you do not believe me believe the works that you may know and believe that the father is in me and i am in him you see jesus said by my works you know who i am you can't deny these works you know, Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 on the Sermon on the Mount, whenever he was teaching about the false prophets, he said, by the works, by the fruit, you would know them. And it's by Jesus' fruit that he's producing the good works that he's going out and doing, the miracles, raising the lame, making them walk again, making the deaf hear, making the blind see. All of these things that he's doing before their very eyes, those works are testimony to who he is and the work that he's doing. He was approved by his works. 
it's much different than just coming down to like like the guy in Florida who sailed across on a little raft and then he landed and he was like, hey, I'm Jesus. And people are like, he's Jesus. Because he made it across the water on a raft. He didn't walk across it. It wasn't just by word. Jesus wasn't just going and saying, hey, everyone, follow me because I'm the Christ. I'm the son of God. People follow me. No, he wasn't going out and proclaiming that in that kind of tone. He was going out and proclaiming it through his action, what he was doing. And much like us, whenever we're proclaiming ourselves to be Christian, we don't just go out and say, I'm a Christian. No, a lot of times it's through our action that people see that. And that's what should set us apart. That's what set Jesus apart. Many believed. It says, therefore they sought again to seize him but he escaped out of their hand, and he went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at first, and there he stayed. Then many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but all the things that John spoke about this man were true, and many believed in him there. You know why many people believed in Jesus there? It wasn't because he was going along and saying, I'm the Christ, follow me. Because anyone can just go up and say, I'm the Christ. Many people throughout history have said that they were the Christ. I'm not, I'm not going there, okay? I, I was determined not to go there. Many, there's one in every crowd. A lot of people have said that. And probably, my guess is, a lot of people will continue to come along saying that. But what does their work say about them? What fruit are they giving off? That's how you know them. And the reason why many of them believed in Jesus here and that he was the Christ, he was the shepherd, and that he was the door to salvation was not because of his proclamation to everyone, look at me, look at me, but rather him going and doing the work. So the question is, the Jews, a lot of them rejected Jesus. And they sought to kill him because they just refused to give up that power. They refused to acknowledge the miracles. They couldn't deny the miracles, but they refused to acknowledge it. They had to come up with some other way. He, he's the devil. He has a demon. He's mad. Well, how can a devil do this? They rejected him. But the question is tonight, are you rejecting Jesus? Are you denying Jesus? Are you denying who he was and the miracles that he did? Are you denying that he's the only way into heaven? When the truth is, he is the only way. He's the only hope that you and I have. And so I ask you tonight, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? If you do and you haven't began to follow him yet, if you hadn't entered into that fold, Tonight's that opportunity for you. Enter the fold before it's too late. The opportunity is for you as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.